one to die That he might give Eternal life That I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment. But first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. So look there in verse 7. In verse 7 of Exodus chapter 3, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. So whenever you know that God... Wherever God was, and the children of Israel, wherever they were, God saw them. What you can learn from some of these things is this. God sees you. God knows what you're going through. He knows all of your burdens. He knows your cares. He knows how you think. He knows how you feel. You ought to know God knows. And then he says this. In verse 7, I have seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt have heard their cry by reason of their taskmaster, and I know their what? If God knows their sorrows, does he know your sorrows? This is why he says, read these Old Testament stories, because they're true illustrations. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple, according to the Psalm 19th Psalm. So when you read these stories, you learn how God works. What God knows, what God sees, and what God can do about it. Now, in verse 7 through 9, look what he said in verse 8. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians. Now, wait a minute. God said, I'm going to go down to Egypt, and I'm going to deliver them. Who did he use? A man named Moses. Now, God says he did it. Later on, he blamed Moses for doing it. You say, God did it? Yeah, God did that. And I'll show you that in just a second. So here in Exodus in chapter 14, remember this. A lot of times we may complain, but the disagreement that comes with an accusation is the problem. Whenever you're, you hurt my toe, oh, I hurt my toe. Now you complain about your toe being hurt. But the reason my toe's hurt is because you got milk in the refrigerator. So you blame it on somebody. somebody. It's always somebody else's fault why you hurt. I don't care what goes on. Somebody's to blame. And you don't always look in the mirror. You want to take and throw it on somebody else as a reason why you lose your cool. You got to blame somebody. It's the blame game. Remember the Adam and Eve in the garden? It was that woman you made me. That snake you made, it was, it was them. Now, you're not like that, but you know it's in the Bible. You need to know the stories are in here. So in chapter 14, look there with me. I want to show you a couple things. In chapter 14, 
The Bible tells us in verse 11, they were now coming out of the Egypt. And so you look there in uh, verse 10. Let's just look there in verse 10 real quick. He said, and when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. They were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Now, God is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. And here comes Pharaoh and his army. Did God know that that was going to happen? God knew that. Because God knows the future. And you say, trust the Lord. So first thing they do is they start complaining. And you see what he says here in verse 11. And they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? And then they said in verse 12, it would have been better if we just let us serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. It would have been better. They're the ones that asked God. But they forgot that, remember? Because the taskmasters and how much sorrow they had and the groaning that they went through. Deliver us. And so God's deliver them. And so what are they doing? Complaining already. And so, but all complaining is sin. Remember this. You may argue about something without condemnation. But when you argue with somebody and you're trying to condemn somebody, that's when you've got to be very careful. Because there is a judgment upon God's people for murmuring, complaining. That means that you really don't believe that God is in control of anything. So you've got to get mad at people because people are going to do you wrong. You already know that. People can become ugly. And the first thing you want to do is to give them a Hawaiian five. Let them know how much you love them. So there's a price to pay. Now, look there. Israel's second complaint, 1523. 1523, look at that real quick. The time had come where they had been out there in the desert, the wilderness, and uh, they got thirsty. See what it says in verse 24? And the people murmured against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Remember, in the New Testament, it's telling us to read this story. Because if you murmur and complain against God, God going to deal with you. Now, you don't know when and you don't know how. But you will pay a price for it. You cannot live as you please and think, well, it doesn't matter. All of life matters. All decisions matter. All the sins of the mind matter. Like they say, well, if, you know, you don't mind, it don't matter. And it does. And so he says here in verse 24, what shall we drink? And then it says here, and that God was going to try them. And he did. And he tried them. But he brought out some of the water. But he promised them down there in verse 26. He said, if you'll serve me, I'll put none of the diseases of the Egyptians upon you. They were in Egypt. They saw the miracles of God. They saw all the things that God was able to bring upon the children of Israel. He said, but if you'll serve me, I'll bring none of those things upon you. That was the best homeland security they could have. It was the best social security program they could have. They didn't have to build hospitals. And if they would serve them, they wouldn't have to have prisons. 
You see, there was a way that God dealt with things, and if you'll just listen to what God says, it'll solve a lot of our problems. The only way Washington can solve any of our problems is always with more money. More money will solve the problem, and it doesn't solve problems. Just like I have a lot of people say, you know, we're going to have this couple, they're going to get married, and they're only going to spend $50,000 on their wedding. And so that's, that makes it really special. They're like, that's going to really hold us together. Me and Betty spent $5 almost 60 years ago. It's not the amount of money you have. And it's not your money or lack of your money that's causing you to leave each other. It's the hardness of your heart. One person left the doors. <laughs> she told me, she says, I can't hardly walk. My feet are so bloody. I didn't want to ask her, what do you mean? But God corrected the problem. You'd think they would finally learn. Look at Israel's third complaint in chapter 16. Chapter 16 and verse 2, where it says, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron in the wilderness. And now they're complaining. They're complaining about, look who they are. And so this was 15 days of the second month. This is talking about 45 days now they've been out there. And now they're murmuring and complaining. And look in verse 3. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, and we have brought us forth, you brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Look what you did to us. We'd have been better off if we'd have stayed back there. I never had problems until I made up my mind I was going to serve the Lord. It was easy for me before I ever trusted Christ as Savior and decided to serve the Lord because I just did whatever I wanted and felt like I answered to anybody. Then I trusted Christ as my Savior. He gave me eternal life. Now I'm God's child. And then I thought, I want to serve the Lord. Oh, my stars. I didn't know what that meant. And then I found out it, it affects every area of my life. It affects the things that I say, the things I think, where I go, how I live, everything about me matters. Before that, nothing mattered. Most people, you're not going to have any problems in your life until you dedicate your life to the Lord. And then it'll get worse. And then you'll say, I was better off before I ever knew the Lord. Well, la-dee-da. I've had a man tell me one time, I didn't ask to be born. I said, who did? And so I'm supposed to explain why he was born. All I know is God loves you. And you might live like, God, nobody loves me, but he does. But there's some things that happens. Look down here in verse 7. And in the morning when ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings, get this, against the Lord. And what are we that we murmur against us? Did you murmur against us? And Moses said, this shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat. And in the morning, bread to the poem, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which you murmur, get this, against him. Now, you can murmur all you want, complain all you want, but when you do it, it's not really the person, it's God. When you get angry because somebody made me mad, and you get angry at them, you're not really angry at that person, you're angry because, you see, God could have changed that. God could have gave you nicer people. 
So it's God's fault. And you get mad because you lost control. He made me mad. He made me angry. You got mad of your own choice. You get angry because of your own choice. You get filled with envy and bitterness and jealousy and all the way. You chose to do that. Nobody can make you laugh unless you want to laugh. And nobody can make you frown unless you want to frown. You can choose. I read a few jokes while ago. And some of y'all chose to laugh. And others sat there, I will not, I will not, I will not. And I hope you get a bad case of hiccups. Because they were good jokes. But anyway. But now notice the last line here. Your murmurings are not against us, but against who? Now they're aiming it at Moses. Aiming at Aaron. You can always aim at somebody. But God knows your heart. God knows that somebody that's more powerful could have made things different. And all we want in life is just peace and tranquility. But it don't happen that way. Things go wrong. Now, I want you to see this. All the sinning is against God. Number two, Israel fourth complaint. Israel lacked water the second time. Look in chapter 17. In chapter 17, you'll notice that they had no water again. And so the people were ready to stone Moses, in verse 4, Moses cried until the Lord said, What shall I do unto this people? They are ready to stone me. And so the Lord spake unto Moses in verse 5, and he says, Now I want you just to strike the rock. And the rock, see, is a picture of Christ in the Old Testament. And when he strikes the rock, is a picture of Christ being crucified on the cross for the sins of the world. He was the living water. See, it's an illustration in the Old Testament, but in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, we just read just a moment ago, Christ was the rock. And it's a story about what he, he did. The water was bitter, and they put a tree in it, and the water became sweet enough they could drink it. Life is bitter, but with Christ, you can handle it. There's all kinds of lessons that you can learn. So he says there, to smite the rock. So he did, and the water was provided. And so they wanted to know, is the Lord, is he with us or not? Here's man out there with two million people, and then they're all complaining. Is there any end to that? Take your Bible and turn to the book of Exodus 32. Exodus chapter 32. Now this is going to be based upon the patience that a man has. And they come again, and they are beside themselves. So you look down here in uh, verse 6. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. So now here's God in heaven. And he's telling Moses, Those people you brought out of Egypt, look at those people that you brought out. Moses says, me, I just did what you said do. So whenever you come to doing the will of God, God, see, has a responsibility. We have a responsibility. If I got up this morning and we have a bus and we need to go pick up some kids, I said, Lord, I just don't feel good this morning. You drive the bus. Will the bus get driven? 
But if I said, oh, Lord, I'll go ahead, I'll drive the bus. So I drove the bus. I come in and says, I drove the bus today. Some spiritual saint will always say, you didn't do it. God did it. I got news for you. He did not. I drove that bus. When we get to heaven and God's going to reward you for what you did for him. Oh, I don't get any rewards. The Lord, keep you just keep them all. I didn't do anything. Now, what's the Lord says? He says, every man shall receive his own reward according to his own what? Labor. You're going to work. So God doesn't do it all. God works through people. God used Moses. God went down, but so did Moses go. And you can't say, well, Lord, I'm just going to pray for the, the heathen out there that all get saved. <sighs> I feel better. I prayed for the sins of the world. I prayed for all those lost people to get saved. Now I can just sit back and do nothing because I, I done done what I can do. I, I prayed. And when God says pray for the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth labor, he meant for you. He meant you. Yeah, what are you going to do about it? You're supposed to go. Lord, send there. Like that one guy says, Lord, I regret that I've only got one wife to, to give for my country. Or, or one wife to send to the country. Well, however it goes, you know how it's supposed to go. I regret that I've only got one life to give for my country. But somebody said, Lord, I'm willing for everybody to go. I'm going to stay home and pray for everybody. You must be willing to do what God wants you to do. But a lot of people would just want to sit about it and complain. Oh, I go to that Calvary Community Church, but, you know, I just don't like the choir. What's wrong with the choir? Well, you know, you know, uh, you know that Jesse, I just don't like Jesse. Well, I, a piano player, he, he doesn't know how to play right. <laughs> you see, when you don't want to do something, you can find fault in anything. If you don't want to go to church, the preacher preaches too long. Well, if he cuts his sermons, well... He don't preach long enough for me. I want a preacher that's young, smart, brilliant, good looking, and we got Yankee. But you can always find fault if you're looking for a way to get out of something. But there's somebody that knows you, and he knows the situation, and it's important that you and I put him first. So there is a, uh, a problem with this being patient, and uh, he makes a statement. But I wanted you to see there, uh, just turn your page and look in verse 11, where it says, And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt? Here's Moses. He said, wait, 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 Lord. Those are not my people, and I didn't bring them out. You did. So God's getting on Moses, and Moses is getting on God. Isn't it wonderful that you can be close enough to the Lord you can talk to him? I'm not going to tell you some of the things I said to God. Only by the grace of God and the mercy of God am I still alive to this moment. Because I was hard on God. Because I questioned God. I didn't agree with his decisions. I didn't like some of the things he wanted me to do, and I didn't like the way things happened to me. And complain, complain, complain. Murmur, gripe. You said, you mean you used to do that? Still do occasionally. Because not everybody snaps to whenever I snap my finger. Some people look at me and defy me. Can you believe that? 
My wife said the other day, just to somebody else, she says, if something happens to Yankee, I'll never get married again. You know, it's hard training one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. So, but the Bible goes down through here and it tells us these things. Look at number four, where complaining is contagious. And this is what they were doing. And Moses got to the place where he said, Lord, I, I quit. I, I quit. <laughs> it was hard times. And God had to say, no, 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 no. Because he told the Lord, he says, Lord, why don't you just kill everybody and start all over again? Sometimes in your life, you're not always going to have everything the way you want it. Your husband, your wife, your children are not always going to obey you perfectly. And I told somebody this not long ago. A man came in the church. He came off and on quite a bit. And then one day he asked me, he says, Preacher, can I talk to you? I said, sure. He said, I want you to pray that I can find the perfect wife. He said, will you do that? I said, I will not. I said, because if, she was, if you want a perfect wife, then she would want a perfect husband. I said, you ain't it. You're not going to find a perfect wife. You're not going to find perfect kids. You got two good-looking kids right there, but they ain't perfect. I can tell you that. Now, your wife, now, she might be different. You always put the Lord first in everything that you do. Ask God to help you, guide you, to develop an understanding in your own mind. Can I trust the Lord with this situation? Can I trust the Lord with my kids? Can I trust the Lord for my job, my needs that I have coming down the road, about your health? All these things are so important. And I'm not going to be able to cover all of this because I want to close it with number six. Number six down here, all complaining brings the chastisement of God. This is why you'll find this mentioned in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12. He says about, don't faint when thou art rebuked of him. In other words, when God tells you, no, don't quit and give up and stop serving God just because you have a faint heart. Strengthen yourself in the things of the Lord. This is why, yes, you should go to church, and yes, you should study the Bible, because God's got so much He wants to teach you. Let me show you this. I've been talking to those who know Christ as Savior. Now, let's just pretend for a moment, you're here today, and you have no clue where you're going to go when you die. If I was to walk up to you after the service, and I said, let me ask you a question. If you died right now, where would you go? What, what would you tell me? Would you say, well, I know I have eternal life. I hope I'm going to heaven. Well, I think so. I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can. Well, I'll probably go to hell if I don't change. I mean, what would you be answering me? So whatever your answer is, look up here. This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us, but he hates our sin. And we have all sinned, so we're all in the same boat. None of us are perfect. And the ways of sin is death, eternal separation from God, and a literal fire burn in hell. But God says that he loves us, and he wants us to go to heaven. But to go to heaven, see, we've we got to get rid of sin. But that's a debt. i got to pay this debt. So I'm in debt, and I can't go there unless I'm free of debt. And I'm not free. So to go to heaven, you've got to be as righteous, as perfect as God. And so God says, you cannot save yourself. You have a debt you cannot pay. 
This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Now, he came into the world because he loves us, hates our sin because our sins separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who has no sin, didn't have to die. But he took all the sin of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead, and said that if we would believe he did it for us, he'd put this payment to our account. And we go to heaven on what he did for us. Salvation is the gift of God. See, if I offered you my wallet and you accepted, you'd have an empty wallet. If I offered you a microphone and you accepted, you'd have a microphone. Well, if Christ walked in here and offered you eternal life and you accepted, what would you have? Eternal life. If it's eternal life, how long would it last? Very hard question. It lasts forever. If it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? To heaven. So do I have to wait till I die to find out where I'm going? Oh, you can wait till then if you want. But I'm glad 59 years ago I trusted Christ as my Savior and I have a payment for my sins. I don't have to pay for them. He was my payment for my sins. I don't have to pay. The reason I'm going to heaven is because I don't have any sins to pay. My debt has been paid in full. I have been set free from that debt. And the reason I can't go to hell in the future is because he says, blessed is the man to whom God will not impute sin or put another debt on me. I won't have any more debt to pay. Well, that is so good. And it's the only way you can be sure of going to heaven is that it has to be free, and it's free. God loves you so much that he gave you as a free gift eternal life when you trusted him as your Savior. As a child of God, it is God's will that you serve him. Not to get to heaven, but because you want God's blessings upon you. You can either have his blessings or his chastening. Which one would you like? You can't sin against God and get away with it. And that's why if you have any bitterness or anger or envy and jealousy and all those things, the sins of the mind, if you've got something you need to deal with, I'd talk to the Lord about it. When should you do that? Tomorrow. Right now. You should do it now. Because God can chasten you also by partaking of the Lord's Supper, and you're not right. And that is so important. Heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. If you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, I'm going to ask you right now in the quietness of this moment. I'm not asking you to stand up or come forward. Don't want anything from you. But I want to know if what I said made sense to you. You say, preacher, that made sense to me, and I will trust Christ as my Savior right now. And if you trust him right now, he saves you right now, gives you eternal life right now, and you can know that when you get up, I'm going to heaven when I die. Not because I'm good, but because God loved me. He paid for my sins, and I'm going to accept what he did for me. If you will do that, would you just let me know by just slipping your hand up very quickly and putting it right back down. Is there anyone at all? If you've already trusted Christ as Savior, you never have to do it again. But if you haven't, you are not guaranteed another day. Would you trust the Lord? Anyone at all? If you're watching by internet, right on the screen, says, yes, I'll trust Christ as my Savior. I pray that you will. Let us know. With your head still bowed and eyes closed, is there anything you need to talk to the Lord about? You know, you need to recognize if it's wrong, confess that to the Lord. And God says he's faithful and just to forgive you. And he says that you can have his cleansing. God does forgive. But God wants you now to walk with him. To do the right thing. The communion service is not to save you. We do this in remembrance of what he did for us. You see, 
It was in his body he paid for our sins. It was in the blood that he shed his blood, gave his life for us. So in his body he took our sins, but in his blood he shed his blood and gave his life so that you and I could have eternal life. Talk to the Lord. Make sure things are right. Father, we ask your blessings upon this moment in Christ's name. Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace Amazes me